You're listening to episode number six of the Obsessive Creative Podcast. This is a community of relentless creators, and here we talk about what it's like to be compelled and obsessed to create things that matter. I'm your host, Luke Cleland, and you can stay up to date on all things obsessive and creative by following me on Instagram at LukeWTCleland. Let's get into the show. So, how you doing this week? I don't know about you, but it is really easy to get caught in an endless news cycle. So let's take a little break from it all and hear something that is really encouraging and inspiring. I think creativity thrives in boundaries and right now we have tons of boundaries. So maybe there is some way that we can take what's happening and make some good from it. I'm so excited to share with you uh, my conversation this week with Teresa Roche. Uh, I think she is just what you need this week to inspire you to set down the news updates just for a little bit and heal your soul with some creativity. All right, Teresa, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I'm really excited uh, to talk about your your creative story. Uh, so thanks for being on. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, um, so just to give you a bit of context to who Teresa is and how I first got to know her, she's actually, she's a fine artist, she's a gallery owner, textile designer in uh, beautiful South, Greenville, South Carolina, and, um, and we've worked together on some photo shoots, and kind of through that process of meeting Teresa and working with her is, is why she came to mind to, to be on the podcast, because I think she is a great example of kind of who who the obsessive creatives are. So like, first of all, I'd love for you to tell us kind of what, how did you get to what you're doing today as being a fine artist? Uh, what, what was kind of your journey, uh, your creative journey? Okay. Thank you, Luke, for having me. Um, I'm um, maybe older than some of your guests, so my journey was fairly long, but um, I started as a young girl. I was a dancer. And uh, even back in um, my middle school years, I loved my dance, but I also loved schoolwork and projects, which was really kind of unusual. And so much that the logistics and the pieces and the parts of doing school projects was so much fun that my parents would say, if you don't come out of your room and stop doing that, you're going to get on restrictions because I loved it so much. I never wanted to stop. So working um, with my hands and dancing and choreography, doing choreography and all of those things were always really important and exciting to me. However, when I graduated from college with a dance and theater degree, I ended up working as a marketing director for a mall in Greenville. And I immediately got interested in event management and marketing and all those things that I had no idea I would be doing. But as I started my career doing those things, I worked for several different companies in marketing and event management. I started to realize how important that all of my personality traits and the creativity was to all of those jobs that I was doing. And I think one of the reasons I love them so much, the jobs that I had, was because of the the creative problem solving and um, running events and doing um, creative project after creative project with um, companies. And it was, I did that for a really long time. It was like 26 years that I did that. 
I was still dancing and performing in local theater and things like that. And you know, when you're in, when you're performing and you're backstage and it's community theater, there's always something to do and always people painting sets and you're jumping in to help. So I really didn't paint as a fine artist or professional painter in any way other than in my own house or helping with a set in the background. Um, but when I left and retired from my last corporate job, that was when the dancing started slowing down a little bit. My knees were bothering me, and my son was a teenager, and I didn't want to leave him at night to do theater. So I started painting. I had never tried my hand at painting. I didn't really fear painting. I wasn't afraid to to pull out all of the stuff. And I'd been in school and watched enough of my friends. I had um, friends who were art majors and I was behind the scenes on sets all the time with with theater so I didn't have any fear related to the painting it was like oh I can do this this is a creative thing I can do this I didn't really know what I was doing but I I was passionate about deciding that I could so um, I moved into a new house and started painting a few things. I just got everything together, started painting a few things for my own house. When at that time I was still at my last job and some friends would say, oh my word, that's good. And I'd be like, really? And okay. And they started asking me to do things for them. That's when um, I was kind of about to retire and to stop working. And my husband said, you know, I really think it's time for you to explore your passions and your creativity because you've been doing so many, um, so many of these jobs, marketing, event management, you really haven't had time. And he was right. I had not had the time to put into any into any one thing. So I'd kind of let the dance and everything else creative go by the wayside, even though I had creative jobs. And so at that time, I started um, reading and taking every workshop I could take and going to classes and asking questions to other artists and um, coming up with a plan to start my own gallery. Uh, that was something I'd never really thought long and hard about, but was try- I was just really trying to find what it was that I loved more than anything and then use all those skills, both professional skills and creative skills, to kind of put something together that would be my retirement years and what I would do for for the rest of my life. And I was just blown away and amazed at how much I enjoyed not only painting myself and taking classes from these exceptional artists, but meeting the people who were doing their life's work um, as artists. And that's when it all started snowballing and the gallery started and I started spending more and more time painting and getting to know more artists and studying more. And then that's, that's been about 20 years of what I was doing for about 20 years. And so kind of that gallery that you started Art and Light, um, had you, were you like, tell us a little bit more about like how that started. Were you just like having a space and putting your own work in or what kind of, um, what kind of brought you to think like, I really want to start an art gallery. (laughs) That's, that's really funny. Um, I actually, at my last job, I was in event management for a company called ScanSource. And in the events department, there 
and uh, marketing department. There were tons of creative people, and um, several of them, at least three or four, had gone to college to be fine artists, but were not really working in their trade as fine artists, but finding other ways to use their artwork and creativity through graphic design and um, marketing and events and that kind of thing. So I was kind of in the midst of this wonderful creative group of people, and we started exploring um, what it looked like to do maybe to do our own show and because I wasn't afraid of scheduling an event and making it happen and I knew how to do that I just kind of took the reins and said okay guys if you want to do this let's do this so we just talked about it for a long time and kind of batted around ideas about what this show might look like and it was so much fun and it was um I was still working full-time they were all working full-time but we were just really um excited about it and we did our first show and it was so well attended at the at that time in Greenville there was only two galleries both of which seemed a little bit um untouchable like for people who um, felt like they couldn't afford art. It was one of those things where it felt like you just couldn't even go into an art gallery at that time without spending like $5,000. So I was interested in, you know, art collectors. It seemed to be that you had to be older in life and a little more established to have started collecting art. And I kept, I started thinking about young collectors and what it looked like if you really hadn't grown up around it and learned a lot about it through college or through your parents or through extracurricular activities. I I got to thinking about why and how people would ever become an art collector. So my thoughts were, I want to do something that's going to um, create a new collector, a young collector, collectors of the future. And I began networking with artists of all types, um, mostly local, and I got to know the crew at Art Bomb, Diane Kilgore and Paul Flint and Katie Walker and some of those people who were what I just called true artists, and I looked up to them so much, and I started watching what they were doing and, and their studio practices and how they just could not make art. It was it was so important to them. They were so passionate about it. It just drove everything. And it wasn't about doing it for a living or doing it for anything like that. It was just they had to do it. They had something in them they had to do had to do. And that's when I started seeing that there was a need for a gallery for people to have uh, original to be able to show their original art and affordable art too. So with those thoughts, a friend offered me a space. She had built bought an old building in West Greenville and she um, started renovating it and asked me if I would like a space there and the rent was so affordable and I had just retired and I couldn't sit still and didn't want to do nothing and I didn't really want to be retired so I just jumped into it just suddenly and started saying okay I'm going to do this I'm going to start a gallery I I know how to do the logistics of this and I started reaching out to all these artists and and they were very receptive of it and um, that's how it started it just started out of the blue I never planned it but um, took me maybe six months to kind of get it together and um 
it, it was just, that's how it started. And that's the story of art and light <laughs> and it's begins. So, and, and you talked a little bit about like art being accessible and I know, you know, even the community around um, art and light seems, seems very accessible, very community friendly, like really building up artists to be connected. Why do you think that, you know, your, your gallery as being accessible and even as your, your own art, like how, why do you think it's important for people to, to access art? Like how has it impacted you and why do you think, why do you think it's, it's impactful to people? Like, why is that important? Well, for, for many reasons, I think it's important. I mean, art plays such an, an, an important role in our uh, creating a culture. I think it makes people think. It inspires people. It excites people. And I think it's important for communities and artists and craftsmen to come together and to do their work and to show their work because I, I truly think that the artist and the art in a community is kind of the heartbeat of that community. Artists are visionaries and they have ideas and they pull at your heartstrings, their work pulls at your heartstrings. And, and I think that those thoughts and creative ideas are what bring people together sometimes when nothing else can. Yeah. And, and so even your own, your own style, um, how did you kind of get to a place where you kind of felt like, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I like doing. Um, was that kind of through that kind of long process of just doing or what kind of, what, what draw you to what you're doing today? Well, there's so, that's a big question. There's so much that goes into it. And art is, as we both know, is so subjective and so personal. And, you know, when I, when I see art, that I think is good. I see the soul of a person in their work. And that might seem kind of strange, but whether it's abstract or realistic or conceptual, whatever it is, I generally feel like it's good or I like it because it has moved me in an emotional way. And I think what I needed to do as an artist was I needed to learn more. I was afraid. I had this fear because I worked with so many great, talented people that I couldn't show mine that mine wouldn't be good enough. So that's when some of my personality, just innate personalities, you know, kind of kicked in. I wanted to you know, we have so much doubt as people in general, but especially as creative beings of, am I good enough? So I wanted to use, I had this rel relentless drive to learn new things, to learn how to creatively solve problems. And I felt like I could do this through the art, but I felt like I had to practice it and to work hard and put hours on the paintbrush, as my friend Marianne Forehand says, every single day and to go at it as hard as I could possibly go at it so that I could kind of measure up and be the artist that I thought would be acceptable. And then, you know, that brings to question so many things. Well, well, what is, you know, when is art good? Do, you know, what does that really mean? And I think there's a lot that goes into that as well. And, and, you know, you've got the concept of a piece, you've got, um, all of the color, you've got the layout, you've got, you know, what makes this piece good? And I think that what I did was <clears throat> I decided that 
abstraction and conceptual was the way I should go because I didn't have any formal training in in art and I had really not thought a lot about um, what it would be like to do a still life. I was really thinking about what it was like to put my thoughts and my feelings and my memories onto paper with paint or with um, drawing materials or with paper. And so that's when I think I made that decision that, okay, abstract conceptual work is going to be more my thing. And that's when I started taking, I think, from the the lessons from the right people who were teaching um, abstract art. And I started to learn about the involvement of it, (laughs) that it was just so much more than just a a little bit of paint here and there. But um, that's when I started to put so much of my emotions and my feelings and my memories into it. And that's when I think it started, the light bulb went off and it started coming around for me personally. And I felt like I had um, sort of a process and a plan and when I stuck to that process and plan was when I started feeling some confidence. Right. And like, yeah, how you're feeling. Cause it was you, like <laughs> it wasn't, you weren't painting someone else. Yeah. Like you were painting who you were and what you're, and like, what, what were those kind of personal things that you, you did and you have put into your artwork? Well, um, some of the things that I, that I started to notice it, first of all, was that, when I would go to paint, as an abstract artist, you work really hard to have nothing in mind, or I did, nothing in mind, no idea what, what was going down on a piece of paper, but to just start applying some kind of marks, some kind of paint, and layering that. And the first thing that I really noticed when I started feeling like my work was getting a little better and I was becoming a little more accomplished was when I came back from a trip to Italy and I was painting and suddenly, just out of the blue, those marks and those lines became something very memorable that I had seen in Italy. So when we were in Italy, the fir- one of the first things I noticed the morning that uh, we got up and went to a, a, a open-air market was everybody on that Saturday morning had their laundry out drying on their balconies. Well, I'd seen pictures of this and stuff, and I looked up, but I'd never seen uh, uh, laundry from that angle. I could see the beautiful, clear blue sky, and then whatever it was, T-shirts or tennis shoes or or bed sheets or um whatever it was hanging it became uh, um kind of gestural movements of shapes and colors against that blue sky and i i was obsessed with it and my husband was like we're here with some of the most fabulous museums in the world and you're taking pictures of laundry up and down all these sidewalks he couldn't he didn't he couldn't really understand it and i I didn't understand it fully at the time. I just was very moved by the motion of the laundry blowing in the wind, um, the the backgrounds when it would be outside hanging. And I grew up with a grandmother who had laundry um, in her backyard all the time. 
And I remember her that it would thunder and she'd say, oh my goodness, I've got to get the laundry. It's on the line and it's outside and it's going to rain. But you were looking at it on ground level. So there was something about seeing it up, you know, high off of people's balconies and strings and plants and all these strings and plants growing together. And across city blocks, there would be uh, lines and people would string their laundry across that. So it was just this novel thing that I had not seen. But I immediately saw that coming into my work when I returned from that trip. And I did do a lot of sketching on the way home on the plane and I just sketched and sketched and those lines just kept becoming and those shapes just kept becoming those laundry shapes so soon after that I did a collection which I called out to dry out to dry which were my memories of Italy and that was the really the first time I had seen my abstracted work come together in that way and tell a story in the way that it did of my trip. That's amazing. Like, I think, I think that takes a lot of, you know, confidence. I don't know if confidence is the right word, but what kind of process do you, do you think helped you get to the point to be able to put yourself on that work? Was it the prolific kind of practicing or is there like anything specific that kind of was like, oh, like, I can be more myself or I can I can do something because I think a lot of people and even myself, you get you get into the it's very easy to get into the ideas of like, oh, I need to be like this person or, oh, this is what's you know popular or this is what I see on Instagram all the time. Or how how can you kind of get yourself out of those kind of cyclical inspirational things and kind of uh, zone back into who you are as a you know, as an artist yourself? Well, that's a that's a very good question. I think one of the things that happened with me was I loved dancing and being a dancer and doing community theater. And all of a sudden, I started to see the correlation between choreography as a dancer and all the pieces and parts of a of a, a production come together. I started to see that choreography and production coming into my paintings to where, you know, you, you take this section and blend it with that section. You take away pieces that don't work. You, you, um, you paint over things and make a negative space so that you can go back into it to put in a line or a mark that does work. And suddenly I saw it as, putting together a dance and instead of doing it with my body on paper and I still am pretty gestural about it and I I move around a lot when I paint Um, but I just started to think of my paintings this choreography and I think that helped me to put some structure around it and not to be just out there you know kind of winging it but thinking about the whole process of choreography and you know my thesis when I was in college of how that looked how I constructed it how that composition came together and so I think that's the thing that I did know and that I was confident about that I could bring to my painting um, process and once I started seeing that and seeing how similar it was it started making a lot more sense and it gave me a lot more confidence um i i think i've always been led by music and um 
by creating and and I loved in college more than even dancing I loved putting movement in you know onto people and and doing choreography and putting pieces together so I think the experimentation with materials and finding little tricks and um, doing all that with paint and any other material was therapeutic for me and um I was working kind of through a lot of emotions and and kind of sad about not being able to dance and, and do that as much. So I just started putting all of this creative energy into painting. And I think it was um I think it was Ingrid Fattel and she read a book called Joyful that's so good. And she said, Magic occurs when there's a disruption of expectation. And I started to notice with my painting and I started allowing myself to experiment more and to, to accept what happened when I made a mistake or to see where the mistake was leading me and what might happen. Say if I spilled, suddenly I had something that I loved and then I spilled water or I spilled something on it or I dropped something in it to see what kind of mark I would get and to see what it would leave. I started kind of embracing that and saying and realizing that some of the best marks that I was making were because I was either experimenting with something I hadn't used. I was scraping, using a nail to scrape instead of using um, a, a painting tool. I just picked up any old thing and started scraping paint away. And sometimes that was what made me feel excited and like, oh my gosh, I just created something with this nail that I had no idea I could do. And so I think I was just able to to let go a little bit an experiment and then to accept that that experimentation was not not always going to bring great things but that it would sometimes be what brought the magical things so i just kind of leaned into that at the same time i was um starting to take a class from audrey phillips this is who is a, a painter and teacher who i admire so much so much and that was one of the thing she talked about a lot was just allowing yourself some grace and 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 saying you know I'm not going to be Matisse or anything but I'm going to do this as hard as I can do it as honestly as I can do it and and help me realize that within each piece when it was not going well that I was just problem solving put it aside think about something else work on something else and then go back to it when um, and to have a fresh perspective, because I would get so hung up on, um, oh, this is terrible. This is bad. Oh, I'm not doing very good on this piece. Let me just tear it up. But um, she was all about study it, look at it, stay with it, go down the rabbit hole and figure out what it would make to do to make this piece turn around, what I need to take away and what I need to bring to it. And through that practice and comparing it with the choreography and then having um, so much, learned so much from Audrey Phillips, I think that was kind of a turning point in starting to have the confidence that I needed and wanted to have to keep to keep doing it because 
I knew that I couldn't stop. I just wanted to do it all the time and to paint and to create. And I just couldn't Which stop. Which is, is really cool to see, to hear that explanation kind of behind even seeing you work on like uh, on some shoots that we've been on together and how you're like pulling in things and trying things and explains a lot of even how maybe a little bit of your story of into how you got into even creating textiles of kind of just like you know trying different mediums like different forms of artwork and 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 is that kind of the process that took you uh, into even uh, expanding to textiles right yes it is I um, that whole textile thing is is very different um, from from painting the way I paint. I I wanted to design textiles. I had this just just huge desire to do it. I wanted it so badly, but I had no training. It's really hard, and I had no training whatsoever. You know, I watched some YouTube's. I did this or that, um, but just you know, had a couple of false starts and. It wasn't working, and I really just didn't know what I was doing. And I needed, I needed, I thought, more education. I needed to go back to college. I needed to do something so that I could understand or, you know, make some headways into this. And all of a sudden, one day, a painting was, it, I don't know how, it was an abstract painting, but it turned into something kind of florally and abstract. And it was after an afternoon of spending time with my grandchildren, um, and we were planting little seed packs, and they had little watering cans, and they were watering it. And we were watching those little seeds sprout up and all. So I had this, um, all this fun I was having with my grandchildren. I was so inspired by watching them and how they would respond when a little tiny green sprout popped up. So many of my paintings were starting to become, I guess, sweeter and a little more colorful and a little more florally, even though I'd never painted a flower in my life. Um, but that's the things that I started to see in my mark making was some of that um excitement over seeds becoming flowers. So long story short, I made a painting that was I titled Sully's Bouquet. And it was very light and airy and sort of florally and soft. And anyway, I had several people say, oh, that would be the prettiest wallpaper. Well, I kept looking at it, looking at it. And finally, I had this aha moment that I didn't really have to design wallpaper separate from my painting that my paintings could possibly become wallpaper. So that's when I decided, okay, Teresa, be really smart and find out find somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> so I reached out to a graphic design friend who wanted to, you know, jump in with me and help me figure it out. So with his help, I was able to talk to him about where I wanted it to go and what I wanted to see. And he helped with all the repeat and the technical and the mathematical side of it, which was the perfect pairing with a graphic designer and then me as the artist. So my first pattern was Sully's Bouquet, which was that painting. And after that, for a while, it seems like for a couple of years, I was doing um, a lot of these sort of soft florals and all that kind of looked like they could be wallpaper. And the interesting thing about it was that the wallpaper looks more like it's a hand-painted wall 
like a mural versus, you know, just an illustrated wallpaper that I would design on a 12 by 12 square, you know, either painting a 12 by 12 square or with shapes or doing it on, you know, on the computer. But that that is how I started with the wallpaper and textiles. And that um, is one of something that's gone very slowly and hasn't um, really gotten off the ground. It has in that I've produced it and all, but I'm still looking for ways to get it out there and to market it. And um, I'm determined that I will. And <laughs> I'm more than ever determined because it's been about three years now with a lot of um, effort that I've put in it. And I love it. And I just feel like I've just got to find the right path to getting it out to market. But but um, yeah, that's how it started from from my paintings. I love uh, to hear how like, just brute force you've been in in just like going after something. You've really, you know, had this maybe small desire or like this little voice inside being like, oh, I want to do painting. OK, so let's do it. Or like, I want to do textile. So let's do it. And I think that's that's such a helpful reminder I think for any time especially creatives right because you said yeah so many times we're so in our own heads and you're like oh well I didn't go to school for tech I can't do this like um but yeah just pushing ourselves to like do things and I think even right now like a very unprecedented time where we're all told to be at home or stay at home as much as possible um what kind of things are you telling yourself to do now uh is there anything kind of that you're working on uh, during this kind of this weird time of maybe having more time than we normally do? Um, yes. And, you know, Luke, I think I mentioned early on that I think your personality has a lot to do with some of the things that um, that you do, has a lot to do with it. And the fact that I've been kind of driven and relentless in this art thing with my gallery, with finding great artists, with doing um, good work, with doing the textiles, um, I think that that drive inside me, I, I'm constantly looking for new answers, new ways, how to get down and get really creative. Um, and creative thinking is so important to me. And um, I feel like there's an artist that um, that I love so much. Um, her name is um, Louise Neville, and she is um, someone who really blazed a trail back in between the 50s and 70s, and she started these gigantic sculptures by using just whatever she could find, and she would use chairs and, and ladders and broken pieces of wood and tree trunks, and she just um, was relentless in her effort to make sculpture out of things that she could find, and she, she really was successful and came into her own um, in the 70s when she did um, the Neville Chapel at St. Peter's Cathedral in New York. And um, I was thinking the other day, because I was feeling a little bit down, I was just looking through her book and I was thinking, God, what can I do? I know I have deadlines, but I don't really want to do that. I want to do something different right now. So I just started to pull pieces of paper out of these drawers that I have. I have color-coded paper that I, that I paint, and it's only color-coded because I had an intern who helped me last summer do that. They used to be everywhere. but And you've seen my studio, so you know I'm telling the truth. Um, 
those papers now are in drawers. So I just kind of closed my eyes and opened a drawer and pulled out a piece. And I had my sewing machine set up because I love sewing on paper. I love stitching and the sound of that sewing machine. And I like stitching with just a needle too and thread. But I just started pulling, blindly pulling these pieces out of the drawer and sewing them together. And just kind of carefree, well, I started kind of liking it more (laughs) and um, just all of a sudden was obsessed with doing it. So I started watching what I was doing then and started looking at colors and started looking more at the shapes of the pieces I was pulling out of the drawer. And then I started cutting and started sewing more. And so I've started this thing that I don't know where it's going or (laughs) what I'm doing with it, but I have about 75 little sections and pieces that are kind of like a timeline to me of this time that I am putting together. (laughs) And um, they're all, I'm lining my drawers, stacking them up with them, and I'm just going to keep on that path. I'm going to not give myself an expectation of where they're going or what I'm going to do with them right now, but I'm just going to let this exercise kind of fuel me for the next few weeks or months, whatever it becomes, and just continue to do that because um, I think having some freedom to create right now rather than having you know, hard deadlines and things that you kind of have to do because you made a commitment. I think it's important right now to just explore and to be creative without any agenda. I don't know. It's for me, it's working. We'll see. We'll see what happens if they ever become anything or they just become a memory of this time. I don't know. The great thing about something like that is that's not, that process is not something new to you. And I think that's such a helpful really analogy of what I think we all can do in our own work, right? Is that, um, you know, giving yourself, maybe giving yourself a structure of like, okay, these are kind of the things that I'm going to do. I'm just going to start opening drawers and then, and then not having those expectations of what's going to happen when I, when I do something terrible, like it's going to be okay. It'll be okay if I do something terrible and, and keep trying, um, and then keep problem solving. Uh, because you're right, I think creativity is as much as it is inspiration. It is uh, problem solving of seeing what you have in front of you and um, and how to make that better with whatever you think better is. Right, and you know, Luke, I I learned from my mom and from my family, and and a long time ago, when you're going through emotional things to use that emotion, especially if you're a creative person or or artistic, you know, whether it's sadness or mad or happy, whatever it is, use that emotion for something good. Think about it and think about how can I turn that emotion inward? How can I use it outwardly? And what can I do with that emotion that might help me through it or help someone else who might be going through the same thing? And I kind of look at my art as a way to do that. And I've painted, I think, some of my better pieces when I was really, you know, kind of sad and and not knowing which way to turn. And then I think I've painted some of my best things when I've been had some of my most joyful moments. So I think it's just the use of that emotion and feeling. And right now I think it's a great time to, to explore that kind of thing. Thanks so much for listening this week. 
I hope each episode encourages you to lean into who you are as a creative and do work that matters. I would love for you to subscribe and follow us along each week on this creative journey together. And until next week, stay obsessed. Stay obsessed.